We're six seconds into the record. Are either of us going to say anything? <laughs> well, you famously scrapped the first record because... You uh, were vulgar beyond belief. <laughs> we weren't so even my... 30 seconds in. Remarks were a little too spicy for you. Griffin, you wanted to talk about... You're freaking obsessed with Taylor Swift. I am. You won't shut up about this broad. <laughs> uh... I stopped being into her after she made. You need to calm down, of course. Started boycotting her at that point. Right, yeah, you were. Um, uh, for being too really... chuggy. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> for being too chuggy. Mm. Um, but speak now, Griffin. A seminal work. Now, what... For those who aren't in the know, Speak Now, Taylor's version has released today. Yes. What was your relationship with the speak now album because as we famously know we have a disparity in age that you love to talk about i was comes up naturally sometimes 15 years old when this album came out so you were seven (laughs) seems about right what year was it 2010 okay so i was 13 that's my 13th year um, <laughs> it is crazy you bring up our age disparity when it is that small. Those two years. They, what, you what can really see them on you. What, um, <laughs> that's so rude. What is your relationship with Speak Now? I am a latecomer to Speak Now. Um, I do have to admit that when I was 13, I was not listening to Taylor Swift as much. I was not avoiding Taylor Swift. There was just 13, I was listening to a lot of Eminem, stuff like sure. that. Uh, I mean, I was a 13-year-old white Yellow boy wolf. in Canada. I was like, this is this speaks Woody to Allen. me. Um, no, no, it was mostly just Eminem. Uh, <laughs> Say no more. Uh, but, yeah, so I've discovered Speak Now later in my life. I've tried to put people onto it, but most people already seem to be onto it. And um, this is an album, I think, with some of the highest highs in all of Taylor Swift's catalog. Like, mm-hmm. as I've said to you before, Mean may be her... No, not Mean. Mine. Uh, maybe her <laughs> most underrated track. Well, that's an interesting observation. And I know there's... it was, like, a big hit, so, like, it's not that mm-hmm. underrated, but that's just how good I think single. it is. Sure. It's like when people argue that, like, Sidney Crosby is underrated, and it's like, yeah, you could make that case. Um, but, yeah, I'm all in on the highs of speak now i think they like are so good and then there's also a few snoozers in there i do and what are the snoozers please elucidate uh please let me bring up the track list here i'm gonna start with a controversial one and say that never grow up is maybe my least favorite taylor swift song your least favorite that's interesting speak on that i think it's boring and like hackneyed little trite little trite little uh little over the top um innocent i think is a bit of a okay mm-hmm. uh ours is well, fine it's, insane. it's not bad i'm just like that's it also doesn't... technically speaking a bonus track i will say oh is it it just says taylor's version uh technically speaking the album ends i believe with long live okay that's and a ours great and one. superman were uh bonus tracks i like superman uh, Long Live is a great song that I didn't really know before I started listening to Speak Now. Great song, absolutely. That but, last chorus of uh, oh, Long yeah. Live is really anthemic. Um, see, Never Grow Up, I think Never Grow Up, uh, you're listening to High Floor Low Ceiling, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. Play the theme song. 
by Taylor Swift Griffin. And if, honestly, if we don't get to anything that we have written down here, that's fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> it is about, summer. Summer's the fun season here at High Floor Absolutely. The thing about Never Grow Up is I think it's very... Hmm. I think it's an interesting song because if you think about... So, I don't know if you know the sort of lore around Speak Now, Griffin, but she wrote these songs when she was touring Fearless. She had just sort of broken through as a mainstream artist. And the big thing about Speak Now is that these are all songs that she wrote herself with no co-writers. So that, Uh. like, in many ways, this is, like, her album. And she's sort of, like... Like, she has this authorship over this album that she doesn't necessarily... Like, you know, obviously she co-writes all of her songs. I think she more or less writes or co-writes all of her lyrics, I would imagine. But Never Grow Up, I think, is an interesting song for her to write personally because it more or less comes from the perspective, in a, in many ways, of her parents or of, I think particularly of her mother i would yeah it definitely seems like it's a mother singing to a child yeah and so i think it's just a really interesting thing to be 20 years old and then to solely write a song that's like hey my parents (laughs) exist like to put yourself in the shoes of a parent and be like my parents have like these insecurities and like these feelings about me growing up and like to sort of like relate that back to your own experience I think is like a shocking I think that's a level of like emotional awareness and maturity that a lot of people never reach and so for her to have written that song at that age and then now to be singing it so much later I just think is like I think that's a a very moving thing I get where you're coming from but maybe if she had waited a few years and gained some life experience, then she would actually have something to say about uh, that issue that hadn't been said before. No, I'm, I'm not trying to be that harsh on it. I think musically it's a very boring song, just in my personal opinion. Um, there are... So there's probably four... Dear John, Never Grow Up, Innocent, Last Kiss are all songs that are like... Well, gr- Never Grow Up is 452. Also, a lot of long songs in this album, I will yeah. say. Those Dear John's songs, like almost seven minutes, is it not? It is, yes. All songs that are like five plus minutes and like kind of plod don't really have a lot of like musical urgency to them. Whereas like I think All Too Well, which is, you know, famously a ten minute song if you are listening to the extended version, and that's a song that never feels like it's dragging and you never feel like it's like, come on, like can we get to no, something? No, yeah, Whereas those ten I think, minutes fly by. Exactly. Whereas I think with, and that's like, you know, more or less a ballad as well. Whereas I think if you listen to, and I think Back to December would maybe be a good example Mm. of a song that sort of achieves more of that sort of objective. But then you look at those, I think those four songs, and I like those songs to varying degrees. I think that actually, particularly Dear John and Last Kiss, I think are beefed up. On this tailored version, I think the instrumentation is a lot more interesting and a lot more like you can pick out things to be uh, to be musically excited about. Yeah. But I know what you're saying that it, it does it does plot a little at times. It does, but like I I want to focus on the highs because it is a great album. It's right. I think it's not 
quite up there with Fearless, but right behind it for the most part. Like these first seven songs mm-hmm. of Mine, Sparks Fly, Back to December, Speak Now, Dear John, Mean, and Story of Us. It's just like punch after punch after punch. Of just like hit, hit, great song, great song. And then Never Grow Up, the album grinds to a halt for four minutes. <laughs> Uh, but then when you come back with Enchanted and Better Than Revenge, which, I mean, you want to get into the controversy. The mattress line has been removed from Taylor's version. It's a feminist statement that people are not on board with. Yeah, I. it's interesting because, you know, I think there was some level of, like, understanding or I don't know if she has any, like, specific sort of quotes about it. But obviously it's a song that, much like... Of course, Misery Business by Paramore. It's a very easy comparison to draw. Many have drawn yes. it. Um, but, you know, songs from that era that are kind of like... And I think one thing that is kind of interesting about this album is it is kind of the last album where... I was saying this to my partner last night about Superman, that Superman is almost like her most... And don't take this in any kind of perverted way, oh, you boy. as a famous pervert. But it is <laughs> her most... It is her most submissive song from like a relationship perspective because like you disgusting <laughs> because the musical idea of Superman is like you're Superman, I'm a person, like a normal human and 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 it's like I like that. I like that you are like more powerful than me is basically what it's saying. And like go be powerful and I will be here on the ground like not powerful and be and be like Go Superman! Like yeah. you did a great job. A, uh, res- reverse Maddie Healy, if you will. In what sense? Maddie Healy said that he like wouldn't be able to date someone like Taylor Swift because he would find it like intimidating. Yeah, demasculating. Emasculating, I think is the word. But well, demasculating also works, and I think we yeah. can invent new words if we want. You're to. absolutely right, and I apologize for what I said. <laughs> um, yes, I. I think that that's that's definitely true of Eddie Healy, um, as someone who likes his music. I saw you immediately. I was watching your Spotify feed immediately after you finished Speak Now Taylor's version. You went into the 1975. That's not true. Well, you were listening to the 1975 last night after finishing Speak Now Taylor's version. That's possible. I don't remember that, but I do listen to the 1975 a lot. Um, I did snap up tickets. Tisk me if you wish. Oh, my God. Um, But... So the thing about so Superman, it's she's coming. I don't think she ever. It almost feels to me like that's an outtake from Fearless in some ways, mm. because it's like she never writes a song like that again. And then you look at Fearless, it's like you have songs like "You Belong with Me" or "Haste" even, where the song is about like there's this boy and he's awesome and right. I really like him and like we sh- and like he likes me and it's awesome. And I just don't think she ever writes a song like that again. Like, from that point forward, I think she occupies her own perspective much more. Like, if mm. you think about songs from Red, like, you have, like, the title track, Red. You, that's a song that's all about, like, it's so from her perspective and sort of... And so it's either stuff like that, where it's, like, this is about my feelings towards my relationship and how I feel to be in love with this person or it's something like treacherous or I guess stay 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 is kind of similar to this where it's like all about this my partner in this relationship and what they're doing 
But I feel like, you know, something like Treacherous, where it's more about, like, this is our relationship. We sort of have this joint agency. She never really, like, sort of recuses or abdicates her own agency in a song after this point. And I think that there's some level of, like, to circle back to the original point, I think with Better Than Revenge, I think it is sort of her having this internalized level of you can call it misogyny, you can call it like sort of normative gender roles. I think that she still sort of is occupying that headspace. And so I it's a it's a strange song for sure. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with writing a song about a romantic rival. It's just interesting to me that like her what the perspective ended up being is like the song is fine but that line is like yeah. a bridge too far which like I don't really know. I mean, you know, obviously we don't slut shame on high floorless ceiling. No, that's company rule number 1. <laughs> Absolutely. It's in our company <laughs> charter. Yeah. But it's it's interesting to me that it's that I think it that was almost a business decision. I think that if she well, I don't know. What do you think? If she had her druthers, would she just take the song off? Or is she like, I'm proud of this album as a body of work. You can't like take out a piece of the building I think, like a Jenga block. I think she, this is probably... Like, I don't think anyone forced her to do this. A, I think she has a lot of autonomy. And B, like, I think she's enough of a musician and cares enough about musicianship and artistry to keep... To have the sense to keep an album preserved album uh preserved but she's also very image conscious and so i can see why she um got that lyric changed as well i think that was probably also her call as someone yeah. who has grown since she was 20 years old and as society grows with her i do think that's how it works taylor swift grows and then society grows <laughs> with her <laughs> yeah and that's i think that's kind of what i'm saying it's like i think that you know, I think today she wouldn't write that song. No. And so to have it, but then also like to, to keep the song, but change the lyric is an interesting sort of bit of cognitive dissonance for me, where it's like, you are in some ways standing by the song. I think, like you said, it. I think it is a business decision. I think that it would be a problem for her if like she didn't. And, you know, like you said, we were talking about this a little bit last night. You said, the point, in some ways, is that it sounds like the originals. Her intention with this is to be replacing the old versions with these new versions. And so, like, most of the production decisions, most of the overall sound of the song, she really has yet to, and I don't think she ever will, drastically rework a song, either musically or lyrically. I think that it, she definitely could have written a song about, like, a toxic guy... And had that be, like, better than Revenge 2. Yeah. And that, in a way, might have been successful in its own right. But I think she I think she sort of, like, wanted to not rock the boat on both sides of the sort of... Like, she wanted to have the song, but she didn't want to have that line. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, why don't we segue that into Damian Lillard? In the only <laughs> natural way that I know how. Uh... Give me a sec. Give me a sec. You got this. Damian Lillard 
being pretty mean to uh, 29 teams in the NBA right now. He means a song now. on Speak Now. Uh, he, by all reports, probably coming from his agent, is refusing to play for any team other than the Miami Heat, which not only is awful for any other team that wants to trade with him, but is also pretty bad to the Portland Trailblazers and their leverage in this situation. Uh, to which Dame's detractors are saying he forfeited that right when he signed a contract. He is not a free agent. He is a player asking for a trade from a franchise that has done right by him, and he has done right by them for many, many years. So, Chris, I'm curious, do you think Damian Lillard is in the right? Because we do, we side with the players here on high floor, low ceiling. But he could have been a free agent if he wanted to be. So I'm sort of anti-Lillard on this one. I am sort of in the same boat, and I think I think that my I have always been kind of ambivalent about this idea, like this whole trade request and players' abilities to sort of force themselves out. But I don't know really what the answer. Like I think that there has to be some kind of structure by which, like, basically by which trade requests are. Like I think there has to be a structure to it. I think that if you, because you can do this, like you, there's no mechanism by which a team can stop, you know, other than like social pressures. And of course you can just get around social pressures because as we all know, Damian Lillard and Chris Haynes, who is like a national NBA reporter, have a very close relationship. Damian Lillard's agent, apparently. Apparently. But like Damian Lillard can just text Chris Haynes and say, I only want to go to the Miami Heat. I won't play for any other team. If any other team trades for me, that would be really bad for that team, basically. And right. there's no real way to stop him other than fining him. And, like, the cost of losing the assets that you gave up for Damian Lillard and then also not getting Damian Lillard is so steep that a fine is kind of irrelevant. And it's not... The balance of him playing versus not playing is skewed so heavily away from him playing that it doesn't like the fine is kind of relevant at that point, but he, so you end up in this situation where he can, you know, basically publicly more or less state his desire that immediately destroys any chance of a real trade happening. Right. And so, like, what what's to stop someone from doing this, I guess, is, like... Yeah, I mean, like, and, he and doesn't have only, a no-trade clause. He, No NBA player will probably ever get a no-trade clause again after the Bradley Beal uh, no. deal. But for all intents and purposes, players do have a no-trade clause. Because you can just say, if you trade me to a team that I don't want to go to, I just won't play. Right, and obviously players should not be forced to play against their will. But yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, you have to be a certain level of player, I think, to get away with this. Uh, do you? I mean, like, I we've guess... We've only seen star players do it, but like, there's nothing particular other than just like people would make fun of you. But like, yeah, does I... that really matter that much? If like Terrence Ross was like, I will only play for the Miami Heat. You need to trade me directly to the Miami Heat. And, you know, obviously that's coming with the assumption that that team is interested in trading for him. But I think in most situations, because by stating this publicly, you are then, like, giving... You are also helping the team that you want to go to. So it's like a double 
a double win because by stating your desire, then you are making it easier for you for the team that wants to acquire you to trade for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hes- I'm always hesitant to call things bad for the game. I think that's a label that people run to, but this does seem like sort of a troubling trend where contracts do not really matter. Like it sort of, it handicaps the Portland Trailblazers' ability to do the right thing for their franchise and it is sort of surprising that Damian Lillard would do this to the Portland Trailblazers after like I said, he seems to really respect that front office and wants to put them in a good position and gave them a chance in free agency and all that and has given them a chance for years now. It seems sort of weird that he would insist, like this is a very big opportunity for them if they could have a proper bidding war for Damian Lillard. That That's a like a package that can rebuild a franchise along with Scoot Henderson. And so the fact that he's taking away their ability to do that is surprising to me. But yeah, I don't, there is no easy answer. Yeah, and, you know, I think that, like, I don't think... I'm not necessarily going to hate on a player for doing that. Like, because I think it is, like, the system is flawed. Like, you are incentivized to do that. And so that indicates a flaw in the system, not necessarily, like... I don't think it's a moral failing on Damian Lillard's part that he only wants to go to the Heat. I I would question why the Heat, but that's a separate thing. Sure, absolutely. But, yeah, I think that the other thing is also, for Damian Lillard specifically, I think the thing many people are reacting to is you have so thoroughly and completely made your brand the guy who doesn't request a trade. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's like you can't... Does not can't, run from the grind. Yes, as the saying goes. And so you, I don't think you can position yourself as that person and then not get some blowback when you do request a trade it's like you didn't have to say that you didn't have to make your thing the guy who doesn't request a trade and also like obviously the timing is very interesting like they had just signed jeremy grant to a gigantic contract they got the number three pick in the draft people are saying like oh they kept the number three pick and that's like why he wants to leave i don't really see that he's signed for four more years ostensibly I don't think it's unreasonable to say I'd rather have Scoot Henderson for four years than, for example, Bradley Beal for four years. Like, I don't yeah, know. yeah. I'm. I mean, we're 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 talking about a problem without an answer, Chris, and I think that makes us the worst thing in today's society. Uh, well, I like. That's what I mean. Is like I'm trying to figure out what a solution could be. I think, but I don't think there's any way to do this. That's not like that doesn't involve like forcing because, people to. Yeah, no, because it's it's so based around what. It's it's all based around external stuff, right? Like. If there was no social media, if there was no way for a team to find out that this player wanted X, Y, Z, then, you know, that would change the dynamic. And so it, it's interesting, just like it also loops in sort of this idea of social media and the player's sort of ability to communicate directly with the masses, kind of. I, I'm just about like, could could it be something where like, 
if there's a trade request, then there's some sort of like like it's like a blind auction almost <laughs> where like every team that's interested can submit their offer and then like they just pick an offer. That seems just, interesting. Like, do you think someone just, would like, just submit like two second round picks and see if their offer is picked? <laughs> I mean, I guess, but you know what I mean. Like, it, it you'd have yeah. to change the way that negotiations work because negotiations are being impacted by social media. And you know, I don't think that that's exclusive to social media, but I think it happens much more immediately with social media. I mean, it seems like I don't know what the rules in the NBA are around this, but. Could you maybe do like something where a lot of the assets that are given up are conditional? Like, let's say the Oklahoma City Thunder trade a bunch of stuff for Damian Lillard. Is there like a thing in the deal where it's like, if we come to day one and Lillard is still refusing to play, we get a bunch of stuff back? Or if he does play, we send more stuff? Like, that's interesting. Because, that's, you know, I think the NFL does that a lot with like draft picks where it's like, we'll trade for this linebacker, and if he gets 200 tackles, the fifth round pick becomes a fourth round pick. Like, Right. You see that in contracts more in the NBA where it's like, if you start, like, for injured players a lot, you'll see, like, if you start, like, 50 games, then you get this, like, yeah. incentive, which I think is interesting. I I mean, like, I don't... Like I'm, I'm imagining something where it's like, if you refuse to report to a team, like your contract gets voided and you can only sign for a minimum, <laughs> like something like that, <laughs> where it's like, like there would have to be some sort of financial disincentive, yeah, to sit out. Yeah, and you do. I, I'm not sure how this is gonna shake down. I feel like some team somewhere is gonna call Dame's bluff, because he's got like four years left on his contract, and what are they gonna like? They'll probably give up a reduced package because Portland doesn't have a lot of leverage and they ha- they can say to Portland, well, there's a chance we're giving this up for nothing, so we're not going to give you a full Damian Lillard-sized package. Don't do anything with that. Um, hands are up. Hands are off the keyboard. Um, but it's like some team, I think, should probably just acquire him and say, what, you're going to sit out? I have to say. Yeah, someone, someone really... <laughs> Wants to censor my take here. That's Dame Lillard outside. <laughs> He's picking a fight with me. But, no, like, some team's going to say, oh, are you going to sit out for four years? Really? Like, But then you look at Ben Simmons, and that's kind of exactly what happened, where they said, what, are you going to sit out for four years? And then he sat out for, what, three months? Yeah. And then they traded him. And then they, like, I, at a certain point, like... It is harder for the team to sit out than it is for the player. Especially for a player like Damian Lillard, who has made a bunch of money in his career, has a gigantic contract, so he could he can like forfeit a year of a contract and not be like, you know, destroyed. Because I think that is, you know, if if there is any sort of star player calculus in all this, it's that he gets paid so much that a it's bad for the team to like have that salary and it's also bad like it's not as bad for the player to miss out on a year of salary because they're already like very financially stable my partner is telling me that damien uh she bought her car from damien lillard toyota 
Oh, I thought you were going to say she bought a, a Damien Lillard top shot. Uh, <laughs> I thought you had Too gotten soon. her in on the top shot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it's a difficult situation. I don't really know what the answer Wait, is. Wait, does Damien Lillard own a Toyota dealership? You, I, yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like to me. She said she has a Damien Lillard, like, license plate holder. That's crazy. Why does he own a Toyota dealership? In McMinnville, Oregon. It's called is Damian someone, Lillard Toyota. Is someone impersonating Damian Lillard at a Toyota dealership in McMinnville, Oregon? How close is no. McMinnville to Portland? I think it's a ways away. It's like an hour away or something. Then why would he own a Toyota dealership? Because that's where... Hold on. Yeah. Let's, take her to the grill on this. Something. It's an... Take her to the grill. It's an <laughs> grill hour her. away. I'm sending you a photo right now Please. of Damien Lillard Toyota with Damien Lillard standing out front. I will say, the part that says Damien Lillard does look photoshopped on, kind of. <laughs> It really does. Uh, but, we'll post this on is. our socials. Go to our Twitter account and our Instagram account. We'll post Damien Lillard Toyota on there. Uh, should we make a Threads account for the Absolutely, we should make a podcast? Threads account. All right, we'll get on Threads as well. Um, okay, we've got a quick segment that we want to run through before we go to a break here. Chris, this well, is we're another... Doing both the segments. Oh, yeah, we'll do both of them. Uh, this is another one of your naming genius shining through again, so I'll let you do this. Yes, this is uh, what I've deemed, so obviously free agency is happening, NBA and NHL. Someone... Oh, I was talking with someone last night. It was actually my partner again. Sorry to brag. Wow. Um... You two just talk all the time, I guess. <laughs> you really do. Uh, and she is a fan of the show, so huge oh, shout out. Big, big listener shout out. Listener of the out. week. Wow. Um, <laughs> not listener of the week, but not follower of the week. I don't think she follows us. No, I doubt it. Um, but she, we were talking about the Raptors. Someone, another person I know asked genuinely, do the Raptors still exist? I thought that they were disbanded. the nba is having what's it what's the opposite is it like a a contraction draft yeah did you know this is just a an aside did you know that the mlb sorry not the mlb just mlb thank you tried to contract in like 2001 and they tried to just eliminate the twins and the expos i did not know that it's it's a really funny idea and it was like they voted in like November 2001, and it would happen in the 2002 season. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, five m- months before the season started, just to be like, we're thinking about deleting your team. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And it passed 28-2. to two. Guess who the two were? <laughs> <laughs> the Twins and Expos were like, we'd rather not be murdered. <laughs> yeah, but then it, it was blocked legally there's a legal battle mm, antitrust anyways so um yes please the toronto raptors not disbanding not disbanding should they we'll get into then it then my partner said no the raptors are still around they have fred van vliet oh. i was like why would you say that and she said like basically that fred van vliet left between the last time that we did high floor low ceiling <laughs> And now, and so she didn't know that oh Fred VanVleet was gone because this is the only place that she gets her news from. Well, I'm flattered to hear that. I will. Maybe it was just on 
last week's mini episode, I did say that I was operating under the assumption it's true, Fred Van Vliet had this. left. So maybe listen a little closer next time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, all love. No, no, listen less close. No, pl- yeah, uh, please. <laughs> all that goes for all of you, actually, whether or not you a- are dating Chris. <laughs> and but also you're all welcome. Um, <laughs> this is a segment Take called all and coming all takers. Um, free. You are- <laughs> I'm not stopping this one. This is called Free Agency Likes and Trikes. <laughs> and why is it called Free Agency Likes and Trikes, Chris? Well, of course, Griffin, we're going to pick some free agency signings, honk honk, from the NBA and NHL that we like, and then some signings that, like a tricycle, we think are pointless. Right. I will say, I have many fond childhood memories on the old tricycle. If you're three or four years old a trike can be good for you okay well i do you want a three or four year old running your nba or NHL that's franchise? a great point no i, I do not that. so yeah maybe uh, these contracts were given out by people who seem like they might still be riding a trike yeah some real child people <laughs> uh there you go griffin you have all right we're gonna have to speed through these a bit chris <laughs> we each have our three best and three worst contracts of free agency well, let's talk about the one player who we both have. I have as a best. You have some worse. Uh, Jonas Corposalo. Yeah. Uh, goalie of some repute. If I recall correctly, was on the Blue Jackets last year and then traded to the LA Kings. Is that correct? correct? Yes. Uh, has signed a five-year, $4 million AAV contract with the Ottawa Senators. I have this as a best signing. This, to me, was a, a right-away best signing. Four million dollars for a starting goalie, I think, is a really nice price point. Like, you know, obviously Jonas Corpusel is not Aiden Hill, but I think Aiden Hill signed for what, like eight million. Um, so getting a locking in a starting goalie at this price, they have uh, Sogard. Is there a Mad Sogard and an Eric Sogard? Who's Eric Sogard? Eric Sogard's a baseball player. Is a baseball player. <laughs> okay, so I am he thinking of Mad goggles. Sogard. Who was sort? Of, he was sort of the up and comer. Everyone seems quite confident in him as the future starter. So I think this works out really well. You sort of have these converging uh, career paths, where as Sogard sort of moves upward, Corpusalo, you assume, is moving downward. He's not that old. He's like thirty, um, and so you know he's playing out his contract at an affordable number. You have Sogard sort of coming up and hopefully turning into your full-time starting goalie, and then you know. That's a tradable contract. It's a contract you can hang on to if you want a platoon type of goalie situation. I think that getting a starting goalie for that number is uh, is a pretty nice move. And Ottawa obviously desperately needed starting goalie. That was a huge problem for them last year. So I really like the signing. They did clearly need a starting goalie. Um, but the problem for me is five years for any goalie is a lot. Especially for one like Jonas Corposalo who... 11 games with the Kings last year, 921 save percentage. Uh, 28 games with the Blue Jackets last year, 913 save percentage. But the year before that, 877. The year before that, 894. The year before that, 911. The year before that, 897. Like, he's an up-and-down goalie. 27, 2018, 18 games, 897. Like, he has not proven to be an every-year guy, and five years is a long time. Goalies are fickle. They they come and they go. Uh tried dating one but you speaking from experience yes i i 
I certainly <laughs> didn't date Jonas Corposalo based on that mustache. Um, oh, that is a problem. <laughs> we'll post that to our socials as well. Men um, love to think that an upturned mustache is something. An upturned mustache has never been something and never will be something. Uh, but yeah, it's the term that's the big problem for me. The money is fine, and I get that you had to do the term to get the lower money. And $4 million isn't crazy, but I think five years is a long time. And given the Senators' histories with goalies recently, I just I worry that this is going to turn into an albatross for them. But the cap is going to go up. So it probably yeah, be that's, crazy that's bad. the big thing for me is that is the four four million number I think is like very movable, very you know even if it did come to you know you look at Matt Murray like that was a movable contract as it turned out. It seems like a very even if you did have to totally dump it that you could dump it, and then you know I'm not comparing Jonas Corposal to Ilya Sorokin, but Ilya Sorokin you have signing like an eight year and like an eight by eight basically like those are the kind of contracts that good goalies get and and again like you said to sign a goalie is a scary thing because you don't necessarily know what you're getting like you it's totally possible that Ilias Rogan could be terrible like three years from now we literally don't know and so I think that locking a goalie in but keeping the number low and having other options, I think they, they, they covered all their bases really well. You, you may have persuaded me to take him off my worst list, but I'm not going to move him onto my best That's list. That's totally fair. He was number one on your best list. That's interesting. Um, just, when I scrolled through, I was like, that's one that stands out as being good. Especially because you know there were a lot of something I meant to mention up top is a lot of short-term deals, a lot of one- or two-year contracts. Yeah, People seem to be wanting to take advantage of the rising cap. Which is smart, so, smart by the players and the agents. Yeah. All right, Chris, with an eye on the clock, I'm going to limit us to one more contract <laughs> each to talk about. Uh, so who do you want to talk about? You did one of your best. I'm not going to get to any of my best, but you can list the <laughs> ones that you didn't talk to. Uh, um, Austin Reeves with the Lakers, uh, four years, $56 million. People were talking about him as a possible $100 million player at the end of the playoffs last year. So I think that's a really nice number for him. And then Pittsburgh, uh, the Penguins, a couple of depth signings. They made Nola Chari three years at two million, Lars Eller two years at two and a half million. Like I like those. I think that that was a huge problem for them, locking down some depth forwards and also not breaking the bank. I think that those were two really smart signings. Okay, great. And your three worst quickly. Uh, one, I think this is what I want to talk about actually, just because it's so crazy to me. Uh, but a couple others, Dennis Schroeder, the two-year full MLE from the Raptors. I thought that was like such a panic move. Yeah. Such a, we need to replace a point guard. And now we're hearing they have interest in Ayo Desunmu, who, uh, from the Bulls, who you I could have like just that. had for half that number. I think at, like, at bare minimum, like he would sign a four-year $24 million contract, I would bet. And instead you're paying Dennis Schroeder, who like does nothing for anyone and has never like helped a team do anything. For twice that amount, it seems pointless to me. And then, just because it's crazy, I actually don't think it's that bad of a move in context. But in a vacuum, giving Bruce Brown two years, forty-five million, is just a crazy thing for any <laughs> team to do. Um, I think they were smart about it. Indiana, the Pacers, they had the cap room for it. They put a team option on it, so it is a very like malleable contract. But it is just a crazy thing to do when you look at the number. 
Yeah, I the number is high, but Bruce Brown is also like a good basketball player. I think that'll be okay for, for sure. Indiana. And when you're a team like the Indiana Pacers, even though they're an exciting young team, you got to spend a little higher to get guys to come. Yeah, um, but then why not just sign them for four years and pay them yeah. a lot less? Yeah. Uh, my best contracts were Tyler Bertuzzi, one year, 5.5 with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that's good for the Leafs. I think he's going to be great with Matthews and Marner, and I think it's good for him because he is going to score a lot of goals. He's going to play with some really talented players with a big spotlight, and he can make a lot of money next year, whether it's from the Leafs or probably from someone else. I really like the Gabe Vincent deal for the Lakers, $11 million a year on a guy who had a great playoffs. I think it's worth seeing if he can rise to that level again and the Dmitry Orlov deal two years eight million per just the best defenseman on the market great for the Carolina Hurricanes I think they're going to be a heavy heavy hitter again next year uh one of my worst contracts was Fred Van Vliet that's too much money the fact that the third year is a team option is better that knocked it out of my number one spot but still eh. but I have my, no idea what they're trying to do no it, to. it doesn't like did they just want a captain? Because like you don't have to pay 130 million dollars for a veteran leader. And they're dumping they're out young there. players. It's so strange. It's very strange. But the talent is exciting still. But my number one worst contract is Ryan <laughs> Reeves to the Toronto Maple Leafs for three years. Three years. This is the stupidest thing in the world. And I hate that people are trying to be like, this will help him in the playoffs. No, it won't. He'll be in the press box in the playoffs because he's maybe the worst skater in the NHL. Like, I mean, player who is a skater, not necessarily skating skill, although he's not very high up there in that either. He'll have four fights this year, and, like, he'll throw a couple big hits, and I'll be happy when it happens. I won't be like, that's I don't want the Leafs to fight or hit. Like, that's fine. But three years for a guy who's 36 years old, that one signing I saw by some analytics projected the total goal differential to go down by 11 next year. 11 goals just from having one fourth-line player. And it's not going to change anything. The Leafs have had Matt Martin. They've had Wayne Simmons. They've had Kyle Clifford. And I've seen people, one person in particular who's a very prominent Leafs fan-turned-media member who I... You know, if you know, you know, who thinks that this is different because this is the fighter. This is not a fighter. This is the fighter. And the Leafs have been pushed around, and they're not going to be pushed around anymore. It doesn't freaking matter. He's not going to be on the ice when the games really count. He's going to, if he is in the playoff lineup, he's going to be playing five minutes a game. And he really can't be because we saw from the Vegas Golden Knights that you need four deep, talented, skilled lines to win the Stanley Cup. And if Ryan Reeves is on the ice, you don't have four deep, talented, skilled lines. You have three and one with Ryan freaking Reeves on it. And sure, he'll be good in the locker room, I guess. He says he likes to chirp guys in the locker room. Okay, thanks, hockey guy. But this is so stupid to me this is not what this team needs this team scored 14 goals in their last seven playoff games 14 goals in seven games that's not good enough ryan reeves is not going to help with that he's not going to free up austin matthews and mitch marner tyler Bertuzzi will because he's tough and he's going to actually good enough to play when it matters but Ryan Reeves yelling from the press box isn't going to help him and the fact that you gave him three years is asinine asinine I'm so mad about the Ryan Reeves signing. But, Griffin, you have to take into context. You say that he won't give you anything on offense during the playoffs. He has eight playoff points, Griffin, in 108 games. (laughs) Can I swear? (laughs) Absolutely. Fuck! (laughs) 
So every if the Maple Leafs make it to 14 playoff games, there is a possibility he may get a point. Of course, in the last three years, one point in 36 playoff games. And he doesn't even fight that much. Because no one fights that much anymore. Like, And also, no one wants to fight him because he's a really good fighter. I'm not trying to take that away from him. He is, like, if that's what you bring him in... I wouldn't have a problem if they signed him to, like, a veteran minimum. But three years at, like, more than a million dollars a year for a cap-strapped team, as we're always hearing, because they paid the core for so much that they can't afford to build around them, but they have more than a million dollars to give to Ryan Reeves. It doesn't... I cannot fathom anyone thinking that that's a good idea. And the Klingberg signing doesn't make any sense either, but at least he's a talented hockey player. Yeah, there's potential for a bounce-back year for that. But, you know, that's what... uh. Was it Dallas that he signed with originally? It was Anaheim. Right, he signed with Anaheim. That's right. That's Which right, is like, right. at least he'll be on a good team this year. So. He wanted <laughs> sure. to play with the Anaheim Ducks. Anyway, we'll be back. We need a break. <laughs> I don't get to talk about Scott Mayfield. <laughs> oh, sure. Dear, dear Scott Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, I have, a similar, <laughs> I have a similar rant about Scott <laughs> yeah, Mayfield. Does that make I, you just as mad? This was just a crazy signing. I'd never heard of this guy. Uh <laughs> Do you know Scott Mayfield? Like, I mean, I know you know more about hockey, but do you know who this guy is? Not really, no. He is on the Islanders. He's an Islanders lifer. He's played there for nine seasons. Uh, he, I believe, will be 30 years... He's going to turn 31 right around the start of the season. Wait, he's been there for nine seasons and they signed him for seven more? <laughs> he's going to turn 31. He has... 111 career points nice. in 428 games. Nice. He is, you know, a defenseman, but still. And then they signed him for seven years at three and a half million. It was a crazy signing. I have that no idea what nuts. they're trying to do. When you combine that with the Sorokin deal, which is massive, obviously he's a great player, but eight years at that cap figure feels crazy. And then the Pierre Engvall, did you see this deal? Seven years for three million. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, I mean, the talent is there with Engvall. I don't know. Maybe he'll figure it out. To sign it, I don't know. That's to sign a, a lot player. Of years. Yeah, that maybe I'm just in a sort of different headspace based on hockey contracts, but to sign a player like that for seven years, even at, and it's like, three million's not nothing. <laughs> like, no. When you look at, you know, Noel Achari or Lars Eller, obviously he's younger than those guys, but when you can get players like that, for a lower number and you're committing to a guy for seven years it seems pointless and crazy to me yeah well the islanders did sign that big rick di pietro contract and that worked out great for them so i guess they just love giving out term all right now we're gonna take a break now that scott mayfield has been put on blast <laughs> uh we'll be back with a, a soothing activity one that we need here on high floor low ceiling and we're back Chris, my heart's still pumping. <laughs> you really? I was going to say, uh, got to cut that for TikTok. I think I will. I think I will. Um, I was trying not to laugh too audibly because I was like, this is gold. Can't got to keep get this clean. Thank you. Well, that's very, that's why you're one of the best in the game. So true. You're so in touch with uh, how to grow a business in 2023. Famously a business graduate. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, useful degree. Um, you should buy the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, there's an idea. If I, there, hey, there's seven billion people on Earth. 
I just got one dollar. <laughs> That's your pitch. Each of those people would have more than enough money to buy the yeah. Charlotte Hornets. You can't give me one dollar, really? You can you I have a dollar? Yeah, I'd give you. Why don't we do that for like a lot of stuff in the world? Just do a global one. I know not everyone in the world has a dollar, but I'll give two. I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll cover someone else's dollar if we. Because you know everyone if I'm buying the Charlotte Hornets, I'll pay like a hundred dollars. Wow. You're covering 99 other people's dollars. But what about, like, we always hear, like, oh, solving global hunger is, like, not that bad. Just ask for a dollar from everyone. I feel like most people would, if you could prove that it was, like, going to work, most people would do that. Yeah. Climate change. I'd give $10. I'd give... mm, Well, I'd want to wait for the science to come in, but... Yeah, you you don't believe in climate change. That's fine. (laughs) I just think it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Ever heard of the Ice Age? (laughs) I think this is actually normal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Parody, 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 parody. Oh, no, that's... I I have to cut that out, I'm afraid. I have to cut out the parody. (laughs) Fair enough. Live to tape, except when I say parody. Exactly. Griffin, we have one of our... Honestly, I think our probably our first. Did real or fake come first, or did this come first? Those are kind of our two uh, course. I segments. think real or fake may have been in the first episode. I think that's right. Uh, but this, our number two. Hey, who doesn't love a good number two? Our Hold number on. two. What do you? <laughs> is that pooping? where we're? I've always been anti-poop humor. It, I, this is, that wasn't even poop humor. That was just poop statement. True. I think it's a very satisfying experience, biologically speaking. I'm not, I'm, it usually is. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we've got a draft, Griffin. Uh, you know, we've done plenty of summer drafts before. I think we've done a summer activities draft. I believe we we did a barbecue activities draft, which is also sort of spring-summer themed. Yes. We are going to permutate... The idea ever so slightly to make it a new thing. Um, I did when I was making my list of people. I was like, gosh, I'm just picking the same people again for all this stuff. <laughs> like, if there's ever something where you need tenacity, you pick Patrick Beverly. Yep. <laughs> if there's anything that needs accuracy, you pick Phil Taylor. <laughs> like, yeah, so, there wasn't really anything accuracy in this one. There wasn't, no. There, it was hard to find a spot for Phil Taylor here. But I think, I think for the next year of drafts, Everyone should get picked once. That should That's, be the new rule. I like that. So starting today. Starting today, if someone gets picked in a draft, and we will keep a, a log, if someone gets picked, they cannot be picked again. With one exception. With one exception, yes. Um, so this is a beach activities draft, Griffin. We have five activities that we uh, are going to be doing at the beach. Obviously, uh, what? How do you, do you have any uh, trip to the beach memories? You're from Toronto, of course. So, yeah, we would. Uh, my family, there are some beaches. Yeah, we wouldn't go to Toronto beaches very often, but for many years we would go camping on the Canada Day weekend every year. Uh, so that would always have some fun beach times. And then at the end of the summer, we would go to a lovely place called Lumina Resort up in Muskoka, where uh, you sort of get like your own little cabin for the week. Um, and that's got a beach as well, and the beautiful Lake of Bays, and those are some treasured memories as well. So I am familiar with the concept of beaches. Uh, and the things that you do on them, despite being a city kid. 
I'm glad you're familiar with the concept of beaches. Yeah, and uh, I have plenty of treasured memories on the beach. Um, thoughts on Starships, the song, Let's Go to the Beach Each? Great song. One of her best. Absolutely. And th- do you have any thoughts on the uh, Toronto... Uh, I don't know if I'd call them a punk group. Certainly an indie rock group, The Beaches. I like the neighborhood. Can't say I know the band. Oh, like Sweater Weather? You Maybe. like the neighborhood? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that also a band? There's an area in Toronto called The Beaches, Chris. It's where the best Licks Burgers used to be. Griffin, can I tell you? That's what the band's named after. The Beaches? The Beaches. I'll send you a song. If that makes sense. Uh, Please do. Um, But we have some beach activities, Griffin. Would you... I'll just give this over to you. I don't need to flip a coin. Would you like to go first? I have no uh, ulterior motive. Uh, or would you like me to go first? Yeah, I got I don't think that I'm too worried about anyone being poached in this draft. I think I'm operating on a higher mindset right now. I'm operating on a pretty low mindset, so <laughs> that works pretty well. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can go first. You can take the first pick. All right. This is one that I thought might be uh, have the potential to be taken, so I'm glad you said that. Our first activity, building sandcastles. Have you ever built a sandcastle? I have, yes. Lumina Resort used to have a sandcastle building contest oh. for the kids. I would participate. We would take some Pokemon figurines, make a Pokemon castle. Did okay. not usually win. Oh, yeah. But sometimes you did. Hmm. Who's to say? Did you win? I don't Ever? think so. I won the <laughs> lawn bowling tournament three years in a row. Whoa. When I was an adult. Adult lawn bowling tournament. Go off, King. Um... For building sandcastles, Griffin, I'm going to select. Obviously, building sandcastles is a, a a feat of architecture. Yes, uh, I'm sure that lots of future architects spent some time on the beach building sandcastles as children. So I'm going to go with the top athlete architect, and that is, of course, the GM LeBron James. Mm, no see. one is better at uh, constructing something from the ground up. Uh, sort of making it all to his whims than LeBron James. And so he is, I think, the obvious pick to build a sandcastle with. He has the vision. He has the skills. He is the architect, LeBron James. I like how you are thinking there, um, the builder. I When I approached sandcastles, I was thinking more about the construction. I wanted someone with steady hands. That was what mm. I was thinking. Steady hands, steady hands, steady hands. And that brought me to baseball. And who has the best, some of the best bat-to-ball skills in the entire league? Quick hands, good hands on the swing. Uh, so I'm going with Toronto's very own Alejandro Kirk. He is going to be oh. my sandcastle building partner. Interesting, interesting. I like that thought. I like the the manual dexterity element. Um, I think maybe we're, we're sort of coming at it from opposite angles because I am not a, a visual artist by any stretch of the imagination. And so no, no. I was <laughs> not no no. <laughs> I was thinking more in terms of I need someone who will have the vision, whereas you were like I need someone who can execute my vision. Yeah, I think uh, we'd go for a pretty traditional sandcastle myself and Alejandro. <laughs> I wish you the best. Uh, are we doing the snake style? We'll or... do it snake style. Come on now. All right. uh, <laughs> just ask. <laughs> Don't try and pull. I know what you're trying to pull. You want the first I'm not trying to pull anything. Round. I think it's just one. 
I just uh, wanted to be clear. You're next, going first, Griffin. Go ahead. Yes, the next category is reading slash basking on the beach. And this is someone who I wanted... I was just trying to think of who's interesting. Like, I wanted someone who I could lie down next to. I could be reading something. They could be reading something. I could be like, oh, did you know this? But you don't have to be in constant conversation. But it's a very casual chat, which is... Uh, and someone who I just was like... Someone who would be reading something cool. And someone who you could talk to about the cool thing that you're reading. So I... I'm going with maybe the best writer to ever be an athlete, uh, someone incredibly interesting and who I think just spending time in their presence would be amazing. I'm talking about the legendary Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I would, I might even just read one of his books while sitting next to him and be like, oh, great job here, Kareem. And he'd be like, thanks. Your uh, Sherlock Holmes alternate history or whatever. <laughs> Didn't you write a Sherlock Holmes book? I don't know. That would be cool. I would read that. I believe he did. Let me just do some quick research here. I like the pick, Griffin. Obviously, I did. Uh, I did have that thought as well. Obviously, Kareem, a, a very erudite guy, very intelligent person. Uh, yeah, you know what, Griffin? What? He didn't write a Sherlock Holmes book. He wrote a Mycroft Holmes book. Oh, Kareem, you're the <laughs> most interesting man alive. <laughs> that's so Kareem, and it's about Mycroft Holmes investigating a mystery in trinidad i'm whoa send me the link i gotta track <laughs> this thing down <laughs> this sounds awesome um so great pick griffin i you know i think picking an intelligent person or a great person to have a conversation with is a great vibe i went a little different not that this person i think wouldn't be an enjoyable conversation but in my mind, I was like, who is the chillest athlete? Because athletes, of course, are, are very intense. Yeah. And so I think a lot of them might find it difficult to do nothing, to relax, to really just, like, enjoy some peace and quiet. And so I was trying to think of who, uh, just, like, a chill, good vibes, fun hang, kind of, like, but not, like, you know fun in a doing stuff way like right. a person you could just sit in silence with <laughs> and and still have a good time you said <laughs> i don't know if i want to air this dirty laundry but you specifically said you would not choose a woman for this category <laughs> oh, come to now. avoid any accusations of uh, impropriety well, that's uh, something that you are not limited by but i just i didn't want to run any risk of Thinking like, oh, he wants to pick a pretty girl to bask next to on the beach. Not that I don't think women can't make great conversation partners. <laughs> um, I think so, I'm safe. I think I'm and, safe. Absolutely. And so I felt safe picking one pick here, Griffin. And I think I think I nailed it. The chillest athlete around. And, you know, probably uh, knowledgeable about Canadian beaches. Layla Fernandez. Okay, that is a good pick. Layla Fernandez. Don't seems you just cage around that? Like you're just hanging out with Layla Fernandez. You're not talking to each other. You're both reading your own book, but she just seems like a a calming presence. That she, was my worry with relaxed. Kareem. That like the type of conversation I would want to have with Kareem is not like maybe not as much a beach conversation. Yeah, like it might be more of a dinner conversation or just like yeah. go to a lecture. Yeah, uh, he'd kind of challenge you, you know. Yeah, and like so that's sort of my worry there. I think Layla's a great pick. Canadian legend. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, just like you you're both sitting there, you both have like a tropical beach drink. Uh seems like a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um the next category, Griffin, beach volleyball partner. I didn't overthink this. I could have gone with uh, or actually I couldn't have gone with 
uh, Chase Budinger, former uh, small forward for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He became a professional volleyball player after he left the NBA. I think, yeah, no professional volleyball players, right? Yes, of course. (laughs) But I was like, this it's not quite the same because he's a basketball player primarily, but... I probably would have given it to you, but I would have made a, a fuss. Yeah, I didn't want to go that route. I just didn't overthink this. Went pure vertical Zach Levine. Okay. I like the pick. Zach Levine, a jumper. A leaper. A jumper. A hopper. I, can you imagine Zach Levine spiking a volleyball? I can. Unfortunately, it is going to be blocked by my pick. The new kid on the block, if you will. The San Antonio Spurs' very own Victor Wembanyama. Love the pick. Uh, I think, like, there's just... I think he can cover the entire net. He can just jump up with the arms outstretched. There's nothing getting by. I'll be back there. I'll be digging if I have to, but... Yeah, I know a little volleyball terminology. Making that soundcastle. Did I say soundcastle? Yeah, I think you did, (laughs) which is what this podcast really is. That's Um, a great way to think about it. But yeah, I, I'm very. I, I initially wrote down ball ball, and then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Who's ball yeah. ball but better in every way? <laughs> Wemby himself. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, not much uh, to debate there. I did think about Wilt Chamberlain as well. Um, same idea. Yeah. But I feel like. Imagine a Wilt versus Wemby volleyball game. I can't, honestly. I'm not um, sure. <laughs> it's a great game. They're going I back guess... and forth. Does I think Wilt has the edge. <laughs> Wait, no, Wemby's fighting back. Okay. Do you think that I I genuinely don't know this, I'm sure there's an answer. Do you think lateral quickness or mobility is more important in normal volleyball or beach volleyball? I think it's more important in I don't know, because it seems it's something that's harder to have in that's beach volleyball, thing. so it's like does that make it more important or less important? I don't know. We'll have to get a beach volleyball player on here. Uh, ask them questions. Chase Budinger. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'm going to say it. I'll bet we could get Chase Budinger on this podcast. I sort of, do sort of wonder sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, are there some athletes who we could just get on the podcast? Be like, hey. Because, yeah, we like Cards on the table. Like the we don't get guy. a ton of listeners. But oh. do you get a lot of podcast requests? Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, on, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that. We gave you one of our best contracts. Yeah. Um, so we'll look into Chase Budinger. Griffin, you are up first for this one. This is a boat driver. So, uh, you know, you're going water skiing, wakeboarding, kneeboarding, all of the classic holding a rope behind a boat activities. Who are you putting in the driver's seat to sort of take care of your, uh, boarding experience? Yeah. Um, this is, I think, largely a vibes pick there. I've driven a boat. It's not hard. I'm worried you're going to take my pick. Um, I don't know. This pick, if you also had this pick, you should have known that I would take this pick. Because this, Uh-oh. I had the same pick in our barbecue draft. She's one of, like, I think uh-huh. the best vibes in all of sports. And I think she'd be exactly the right pick. Like, a great tubing driver. She seems like she has a really great sense of fun. She's probably on ox. Uh, sure. If you're tubing, like, you want someone who will go fast and give you good waves and stuff. Uh, I think that she's got the exact right sense of adventure combined with responsibility because you do want your boat driver to be safe. Uh, so I'm going with, dare I say, the greatest athlete in Canada today. Uh, no, probably not. But up there for sure, Sarah Nurse. I love the pick. I mean, again, like we've talked about, I feel like 
Serenors is kind of for us the paragon of just like who I I wouldn't necessarily say she's the coolest athlete, but she is <laughs> but like she is the athlete you would most want to hang out with. Yes, yeah, is maybe what I not feel. like because some like maybe the coolest athletes are like intimidating. Right. She just seems like, like can you imagine if she was our third co-host? Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, we will reach out. You're like, Sarah, have you considered retiring? So that... <laughs> yeah, she, she does. She does panel stuff. Yeah, exactly. What if what if she, she says yes, but we insist that she retires from professional hockey so she can fully <laughs> devote herself to high floor low ceiling? I think she'd say no. Yeah, maybe. Especially after the big PHF PWHP Griffin. Well... No, I don't want to get into that controversial topic. I, I'm looking forward to the product on the ice. <laughs> Extremely diplomatic. Uh, no, especially but... in relation to some of the other things that you've already said on this podcast in your lifetime. Um, Wait, go on. I, I'm not thinking of anything specific. I just feel like you've said some stuff. <laughs> uh, oh, that is the goal. Absolutely. I went a similar route, Griffin mostly a vibes pick like i i just sort of imagined the scene and i was like that's who's exactly behind the wheel I and i feel like you want like and this guy is kind of uh, uh uh an archetypal figure an a sort of elemental figure of like the fun loving white boy <laughs> <laughs> i went mitch marner here like, that, oh, if you, he's if such a boat driver. An athlete behind the wheel of a boat at a cottage. He's okay. probably if not wearing a shirt. If you go to the Marner family cottage, he is not letting. He is not not driving the boat the entire time. <laughs> he's wearing a life jacket, but the the buckles aren't buckled. Yeah, he's got a backwards <laughs> hat on. <laughs> Sunglasses. Yeah. Oh my Ray-Bans. god. That's he's such a boat driver. <laughs> he's such a Muskoka boat driver. That's a great pick, Chris. <laughs> However, I do think my pick was also a great pick. Hey, uh, that's the thing about these drafts, is that we both do a great job. We really do. Um, like, just imagine hanging out on a boat. You're all laughing. You've all got a drink, maybe a gin smash. You're having fun. You so look like, up. Who's driving the boat? Serenaries. Come on. I think in general. I don't, I You'd don't be know like, is done... this heaven? <laughs> I don't know if we've done cottage specifically, mm. but if it's a cottage weekend and it's like, it's us, it's our partners... And then it's Sarah Nurse and Mitch Marner. Oh. What a great time. What that a would great be. time, yeah. I, I they must know each other. They must. They, they must. must. There's no way sure. they don't. And we'll ask her that when we have her on the show. There's literally um, no way they don't. Um I'm and I'm being genuine when I say Yeah, that. no. No, it would be shocking if they didn't. Um Alright, our last category, Chris, is your pick. That's right, and this is a fire builder, obviously, at the nighttime beach bonfire. It's a beach staple, great vibe. Uh, no, not too big. Not if there's a burn warning. You don't want to do anything irresponsible, but, you know, let's assume we're in a place that where it is safe to uh, have a little fire on the beach. Maybe roasted marshmallows, hot dogs, etc. Who are you giving the responsibility of building the fire? I... Griffin wanted two primary attributes in my fire builder. I wanted patience, because obviously, you know, it takes a while to build that fire up. And I wanted uh, an attention to detail. 
a mm. meticulousness because it's not easy sometimes to to construct something that's going to last for a while. And so with those combinations, uh, with that combination of factors in mind, I knew kind of the sport realm I wanted to be in. And I thought this was a good pick. Went with Brooke Henderson, Griffin. Another Obviously, great pick. Yeah, another Canadian of, icon. Another Canadian icon. Uh, I think we're definitely going for a Canadian vibe here. One of Canada's great golfers. Yeah, I think golf maybe Canada's is... great golfer. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, Nick, what, Nick Taylor is that his name? Nick Carter. No. Nick. Nick Taylor. Nate Taylor. Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor. One of the greatest moments in Canadian <laughs> sporting history. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so you think about the combination. Like I said, you have the patience. Because, you know, it's kind of a slow sport. It's not action-packed. It's not hockey or basketball or whatever. Um, Probably the beachiest sport there is other than beach volleyball. Um, And then the attention to detail. The sort of, you know, you're seeing the way the ground is set up. You're trying to construct something that will, will go just right in the terrain that you're given. That's a golfer. That's Brooke Henderson. I like it a lot, Chris. Uh, I... I've got a lot of experience building fires over my life uh, at summer camp every year, going on 12-day canoe trips, 24-day canoe trips. These are things that I've done. What do you got to do? Every night, you got to build a fire. And to me, more than anything else, a fire builder is an alpha. Like, when someone in the group says, I'll build the fire, I mean, assuming they do it right. If they do it wrong, they're a loser. They're the omega. <laughs> but And they're the laughing stock. But... Usually the person who volunteers to build the fire is outdoorsy and you're like, oh, they know what they're doing. Like that is the leader of the group. They're the one building the fire. They're the coolest one here. And now that we've uh, established that these people will be going off the board for an entire year, I'm especially glad that I'm picking this. The alphas of alphas, Can- Captain Canada herself, Christine Sinclair. Mm. I'm going to build, I'm going to have her build my fire. Um, that's all I got. End of sentence. Yep. That's that's what she's doing. She's the fire builder. Absolutely. I mean, I think Griffin. I think this was the right time to institute uh, this rule because we did hit a lot of classics. Yeah. Um. I think LeBron James has been in almost every draft. Kareem has been drafted a lot. Sarah Nurse has been drafted a lot. Christine Sinclair gets drafted all the time, with great reason, of course. Yes. Um. And so I love our list. I love that we sort of knocked some of the big names off the board. I think that, you know, if I had had my backup pick for Sandcastle building, Russell Westbrook, mm. like that would have uh, knocked another big name off the board, but he stays alive for now. Uh, no, you know, stays alive in our draft. Right. Yeah, we, we, we aren't <laughs> killing all these people. <laughs> Good to establish that. I just thought, it's just sad to draw coming out of my mouth. Um <laughs> So let's run it down here, Griffin. Uh, building sandcastles. I have the architect LeBron James. We should start giving also athletes like wrestling style nicknames. Yeah, I have the handyman Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, for basking the sun and reading, I have uh, the chillster Layla Fernandez. Where I have uh, the immortal Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Absolutely. Uh, for beach volleyball partner i have zippy zach levine whereas i have stretch armstrong himself victor Wembanyama. great pick uh 
for the boat driver, I have Mitch Money Marner. Oh, that's a good one. I've got Sarah the Doctor Nurse. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what's a good one for Sarah Nurse? I've got Sunshine Sarah Nurse. Ah, interesting. And for Fire Builder, I have uh, the Unstoppable Brooke Henderson. I've just got Captain Christine. Absolutely. Um, great picks, Griffin. Another great app that we are uh, closing the books on here. Foomp. Foomp. That was my book closing. I got it for sure. Yeah, good, good. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us, HFLC Podcast. Griffin, you, uh, I don't know if this was on mic, but you're going to make a Threads thread? That was on mic, I think. What is a Threads account called? I don't know. A Threads? I'll do it right now. We'll get on Threads. It'll be the same as our Instagram, because that's how Threads works. Yeah, follow us on threads. That's going to be awesome and stick around forever. Um, <laughs> Seems like it, yeah. And look it's out great for algorithm. Griffin's Ryan Reeves rant coming up ASAP. Um, follow Griffin at GriffinPorter97. Follow me at C House and Jan. And if you don't have anything to add, Griffin, you seem deep into making a threads account already. I was looking into it, yeah. But I don't have anything to add. Thank you all for listening. It's been fun. Thank you to Chris. It's been fun. You're so welcome. And thank you to you. Uh, But until next time, please keep your floors high.